Well, folks, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune because it means it's time for another edition of the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. My name is Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home game, Rec Poker Jim on Twitter. And I'm the luckiest guy in the world because every week I get to hang out here with these awesome, uh, this gang here. And sometimes we get an amazing guest from the poker world and we get to pick their brain in the chats edition of the podcast. And who knows what the future has in store for us tonight. Um, I just want to revel in this moment, I'm here with Keith and John and Rob and Chris. We've got a few friends here in the Rec Poker YouTube chat. Um, and, you know, joining the chat in YouTube every week is free, uh, just like a lot of the stuff that we do here at Rec Poker. It's a largely volunteer organization. A lot of what we do is free. Um, that's why we have to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino, and Mark Brashan over at Website Amp, uh, who makes all the magic happen here behind the behind the curtain so i mentioned my name's jim reed bluffsterini in the home games at rec poker jim on twitter if you want to find out more about me you can go to rec.poker slash crew because that's where we have information about everybody on the wrecking crew from dario carney and kevin mathers to folks like myself rob washam john somsky keith brant and chris jones but why am i talking about it why don't you guys tell the audience at home a little bit about yourselves gang I feel like my my thunder has been stolen here, but I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5v5 on Twitter, and you can find me 5x5 five five on the PokerStars home game. And I am John Somsky. I am noted known as the Thunderless Poker Geek MN <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and I'm Keith Brandt, and I am Monkey System everywhere. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Radman50 just about everywhere. Nice. Uh, and I see already we've got a fun folk, a fun couple of folks in the chat over here. We've got Martha and Ben and a few others. Um, and I do encourage our listeners, uh, come join us live Monday night, 730 Eastern, uh, every Monday here on YouTube. It's a great way to ask questions of the guests yourself in real time. And we also do a contest every week. Uh, you usually get a chance to win a copy of a book or a free month of premium membership at Rec Poker uh, or some other fun prizes. And all you got to do is show up and type contest. Usually, if you're the first person to type contest, uh, you're never going to know. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. We've been rolling one a lot around here lately on my little nerdy dice. But uh, you never know. that th They say it could be anyone. Any one of you could be the lucky winner. Um, so let me see. Why don't we start? Uh, Chris, you've been glued to the television watching some of this uh, coverage. The World Series of Poker main event just ended. We have a champion. It's one that you saw coming, as a matter yeah. of fact. Uh, you put a tweet out there when they were, was it three tables still? Or? Three table, yeah. When there were 27 left, I said, Espen, uh, your side is going to win this. And uh, so, I mean... I don't know. I got lucky, but he's I, he was he was um, pretty awesome. If you have a Poker Go subscription uh, and you have a chance to watch just even the tag team, I mean, watching him on the final final table is amazing too. But he made some plays in that tag team event, which I'm still thinking about. Um, they were mm. they were really strong plays and really put his the screws to his opponents, and I, so that's kind of why I. I I watched that. I was kind of excited when uh, Jamie Kerstetter made that final table and I was kind of watching some of that. Um, but I was really impressed with his play. Mm. And it's been, it's been interesting uh, watching along on Twitter too. Uh, Twitter's 
mostly where I spend my social media time. And uh, there's been a lot of interesting takes and threads on different spots in the in the final table and uh you know how to how certain people would play against other opponents and that sort of thing which is always kind of interesting to see this uh ecosystem of 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 opinion uh come up around around this kind of stuff uh chris did you feel like it was and everyone else of course please uh, feel free to jump in here anytime i'm pretty sure rec poker nation is pretty sick of hearing me talking uh the week uh on the podcast every week um was there what was what was what were some of the most exciting moments for you as as someone who was watching it as a fan who really knows poker? Well, I mean, there's a I for me that there were a few things that I was really I mean, early on I thought there were some really um amazing hands that took place. And there were some uh one of the things I really enjoyed this year where there's some very strong wild cards in the field, especially as they got into like day five, day six. Uh there was um a guy named Jang, uh, oh. who was um, running bluffs pretty much all the time, but at all the right times. Um, and I'm not sure if that was just he got really lucky or he had some sort of read. But um, he was somebody I, I kind of like as I was watching. I was like, this guy's going to flame out at some point because it's just you just can't sustain this amount of whatever. But it, it was really fun to watch. It was really fun to watch. Um, of course, there were there were some women who made some pretty deep runs. Uh, we had, we had uh, a woman who was still um, present until the final two tables, so I think that was really exciting. And hoping, you know, I was kind of hoping that she made that final table. Or we still haven't burst that uh, bubble since 1995, so mm-hmm. that would have been really cool. And at the final table itself, I thought the most interesting things for me were were the play of. Um, there were some just really strong players at the table. Um, the other thing that I think was really interesting is the chip leader ended up going out in ninth. Mm. Um, and I think there's some question, you know, like for me, it, it, it was almost just like, he just kind of ran and like, it can happen, right? It's like, you're not supposed to have it happen, but like, he just, I mean, he got two outed, he, he lost a flip and suddenly he was short. And then, you know, it just, it just was not his not his table, but it's, it's one of those that I'm sure he's going to be sort of haunted by. And then I think the final hand is one that, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a, uh, you know, it was a full house versus bottom pair. Uh, he had Jack four on a, like a deuce, deuce four queen eight board. Um, and he ended up calling off for about 35 big blinds on a, on a river shove, uh, and that was it. That was the main event. Um, and I think that hand in particular, I think, is a very interesting one to think about. Hmm. Well, so maybe we'll those take, are my takeaways. We should uh, we should take a look at a couple of those a little more closely on a forums edition of the podcast, maybe coming up and uh, kind of examine what what people's ranges might be and what you know what what little red flags might have been shooting up in uh, in our minds when we're thinking about it because. I mean, you really got to hand it to these players. They've they're going through quite a an endurance challenge. Uh, b- being focused for that long when the stakes are this high, um, I'm kind of surprised we don't see more just stupid errors. I'll be honest with you. By the time the the final table comes along, yeah. Um, and I, I noticed Ben Enslow in the in the chat is is pointing out some other moments. There is, I think this. I kind of forgot about some of these, you know, Karai Aldemir made 
an almost historic run um, to to get back to after he won it last year. He made a very very deep run. He was in uh, kind of the last uh, last day or day seven. He made it to, um, and then there was this sort of fold heard around the world where um, <laughs> a player folded ace queen on a queen queen deuce deuce king board, um, and correctly folded to king king um and that that was impressive yeah rob did you have anything uh, jumping out at you while you were watching well i didn't i didn't get to watch it but i've kind of did what you do i follow along on twitter and see what the hubbub is there was uh there was some hubbub when we when it got down to 10 players you know the the question was do we play two tables of five or one table of 10 and I was just wondering uh, what mm. Chris's take was on that. Um, I think there's some people that say it's not fair because you got that big blind ante and there's only five players. Um, but then other people are saying, well, it's uh, that's really the way it should be because the final table should be nine, not 10. So I was just wondering what Chris's take was on all that controversy. Yeah, and I mean that also reminds me that the other controversy that's associated with that is that they um they played a grueling day seven. Mm. Um they played um I think 17 hours and finished at like 6 30 in the morning look in, in Vegas time. Um so to get down to those 10 players and some I think there was some com- conversation in the poker world about whether that's really fair for the pinnacle of poker for us to be having this kind of grand spectacle where nobody can, you know, nobody's staying, not, not nobody, but very few people are staying up till, you know, four or five in the morning to watch this, first of all. So are we losing that viewership side of it? But also, is it fair for people who are making millions of dollars in equity decisions to be completely sleep deprived? Um, you know, so that was one question. But yeah, I I, I don't know, like the, the when you get down to that 10 thing, um, I would say that most common uh poker rooms that i've been to stay at kind of a five five setup um when you get into that scenario um but i kind of like it for the main event it just feels like it, it feels right for some reason to me to be 10 and like you're getting down to that final table and to bring everybody together it's like one table you know, I, I don't know, like for this event, it feels right to me, but I can certainly see the case saying like, well, that's not how most events do it. So why are we changing it for the main event? So I don't know. What What is your take? It seems like a tough to say, like, it just makes me realize how little I want to be in charge of some of these decisions, because it sounds like there's good reasons for both sides of it. Like I know there was a, there was an interesting take on Twitter, um, about having the balanced tables before you get to the final table so that in, because if you've got, if you're, if you're combining at 10, that means for a while you've got six on one table and five on another table. And if you're combining at nine, at least that means you've got five on each table. But I mean, that just means that you still have six on one table and five at one table before then. Uh, Rob, what do you think? Um, Yeah, I think, I think for the, um, to make it easier, especially for viewers, I think it it really makes sense to go to 10 because now you have one table. So you have everybody at one table instead of having two tables when you're down to that crucial point of, of having 10 players. So you can have all the action 
on one table yeah. when you get yeah. down when you're trying to get down to that final table. So I think from a viewing standpoint, it probably makes a lot more sense to have ten. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's hard to pick a final table where players are going to be playing tighter than this normally. So if you're telling me that you make it ten handed and now players have to play even a little more tight, uh, that that doesn't seem like such a big deal as opposed to making another final table where people would normally, you know, with different structures, uh, you know, having to tighten up because of the tenth person at the play, at the table might be a different uh, yeah. a different factor. I believe historically they've always joined the tables and had a single table, single ten hand table. However, the official final table does not begin until one person is knocked out and they're down to nine players. Right. The November nine uh, era. Right. Right. There wasn't the November 10. That That's a good point. And that's a good I, point. I'll just point out in the chat, we have a really uh, great comment from uh, Phil. Who points <laughs> out that It's easier for Jim to count one table versus two. So that's true. I often when I'm counting, I often get a little fuzzy after one. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. good getting from zero to one. I'm all over that. Um, and then there's a bit of a hill to climb for me there personally. Uh, and then two. And then there's another T word after that. Uh, that, that one's tough. That one is tough because it's, it's a longer word, too. Yeah. And yeah. then you end up into some shorter words that start with the same letter, four and five. I, I can get there easily. And then even shorter for six. So, um, yeah. Thank you, Phil, for pointing that out. It's nice to have you in my corner, as, as always. <laughs> well, I think uh, another difference, you know, in your normal card rooms, they probably like keeping it two five-handed tables, partially just because it's going to run through the people quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, they and in a normal card room, trying to get the tournament over is an advantage to them. Although they are paying two dealers instead of one, but yeah. Well, and the sooner they can get it down to one table, that's one fewer dealer. That's one. You know, they can definitely the casinos like ten-handed at every spot. And in, in most of the tournaments we're kind of talking about, the structure is also wildly different. Like people are going to be, when we're five and five at like a, you know, a daily tournament or even like a big weekend tournament, when we're five and five, people are going to be short. And in this, they're not, you know, people had 70, 80, 90 big blinds uh, as we were approaching this spot. So that, that it's not quite the same dynamic either. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and Rob, did we learn? The other day, uh, that your main event bust out hand was pocket eights. Am I saying that correctly? Yes. It was nines yes, you got did. the quads with, right? Because you got quads on TV, mm-hmm. uh, yes. living the got dream, the evidence to prove it. Yep, yep, that's yes. right. Yep, yep. Uh, but that now you and I have another thing in common, my brother. Uh, yes, pocket, pocket the... eights, yes. <laughs> now, well, how many years ago was your main event uh performance? Uh, 2018. Okay. So for the last four years ago, for the last four years, uh, has every time you see pocket eights, does, does it remind you of that experience or did it for the first six months or did it like for the first week or Cause I feel like every time I see pocket eights now, I get to think about playing in the main event. It might be my new favorite hand. (laughs) No, it, uh, I actually don't even 
you know, until you mentioned that you went out with pocket eights, I had forgotten that I had also gone out with pocket eights. There you go. That's the veteran response there. It's just, it's just a hand. It's just a hand of poker. Exactly. It's just, it's just a, a hand, hand of poker. I'm I'm not as wise as Rob. I a queen queen ten of diamonds is uh <laughs> Is uh, something that uh, I, it still haunts me a little bit. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's funny. I wasn't expecting that at all. But it's funny how that kind of stuff sticks with you. Uh, when I proposed to Mrs. Blefsterini, I did it right at the top of the CN Tower, which is a very tall tower in Toronto. And um, one of the side effects of that that I ne- never occurred to me in the planning of it was that whenever I'm in Toronto now, I like I look up and I'm like, oh, there's a nice little reminder of this wonderful moment when I proposed to my wife. And um, I don't know what I was doing recently, but I, I, I must have been playing in a home game or something. And I got dealt pocket eights. And I was like, oh, that I, same kind of thing. I wasn't expecting to have that like memento of the experience, but it's going to be hard for me to, th- to get dealt pocket eights and not think about busting from the main event in pretty much one of the best possible ways. So I, I do feel pretty good about that. John, I see you're unmuted. Do you have some? Uh... Well, I didn't, but I can, of course, add on. Uh, <laughs> when I uh, I have that similar type of deja vu, there are some podcasts that will occasionally do a repeat. And it's like when I hear the repeat, I remember where I was the first time I was listening. Ah. If I was on a motorcycle ride somewhere, I'll remember that. Or, you know, as long as it wasn't something like I was doing dishes, uh, then I might not remember. But that same type of experiential remem- memory will come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. I think, I think for me, it was the fact that um, it was a few hands earlier. I had pocket kings and lost a huge pot. Mm-hmm. So when I when I went out with the eights, I didn't. I only had like ten or fifteen big blinds at the time. So it wasn't as big a decision to make as if I would have had 40 or 50 big blinds. Yep. So I, I had already lost a big pot earlier with pocket kings. And then I ran my eights into somebody else's pocket kings to lose the whole thing. <laughs> yep. Yep. So do pocket well, kings make you think of the main event then? No. <laughs> <laughs> cool as a cucumber. Yeah, Those definitely. are all just independent decision based on the situation at the time you're, you're you're so you're just such a better person than me he's the zen master yeah he's total zen master he's the zen master that's why he's in charge of the book study he just guides us through on that even keel i love it uh, yep well yeah so uh yeah so rob you you put your eights into pocket kings uh i put my eights into pocket aces uh, I also had like 12 or 13 big blinds or something like that. It's a pretty good way to bust the main event. Um, I felt like I was, uh, you know. It's so it, much I, better than having aces and the other person having eights and going out that way, right? Like just, yeah, you know, yeah. like I lost a pocket eight. I don't know. That just yeah. feels, uh, come on. <laughs> Keith, what about you? What uh, Do you have yeah. any mementos? Or it's not a, not a main event thing, but pocket eights knocked me out of the super senior this year. Oh, really? Yeah, you, so you were. It must be a bad hand. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's funny. Yep. Well, it's maybe, yeah. So, folks, if you're listening at home, uh, I'd love to know if other people have that kind of experience where playing in a big tournament or, you know, maybe not the biggest tournament of your life, but like an important one to you in some way, your winning hand or your bust out hand, 
how long has that stuck around? I'd love to know a little more about that. And if you're in the chat on YouTube too, though, I'd, I'm very curious because uh, that's kind of like a human experience, you know? I think we need to change our range by about one pip. You know, <laughs> maybe eights shouldn't have been in that yeah. range and it should have been nines plus. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. nines <laughs> makes quads. So we know yeah. that. Nines make, then, exactly. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, we put that in. Hey, Chris, put that in the next uh, month's theme of uh, okay. training material that we're doing Just here. Just fold your eights. Just fold your eights. Yep. It goes uh, fives, aces, kings, all the way down yeah. to eights. That's yeah. how uh, that's right. how it works now. No, down right. to nines. And then down you stop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we've got uh, a couple interesting things coming up. Um, I, I should just shout out again. How much freaking fun we had at uh, Rec Poker Weekend at Running Aces! Uh, John Barrows, uh, the tournament manager there, and his crew put a really great uh, production together. I had a lot of fun meeting a lot of folks, getting my ass whooped in the uh, in the tournament series, mostly by Doug Drabeck. Um, and I never heard from Cole. Cole, if you're listening, uh, you won a prize by taking me out that first uh, session. So look me up, man, uh, and we'll connect. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to do another weekend down there. And uh, hopefully it won't be the day before the tag team event in Vegas. And we'll have a little more time to uh, relax and uh, spend some time around there. Get to know uh, get to know Minnesota a little better, too. Uh, I got a chance to go take a boat ride with uh, Captain Walleye and had some other fun in the region. But it's a place I'd like to spend a little more time. Beautiful countryside. Uh, one point, I speaking of which, so one point I have to bring up. Uh, so we were doing the wreck the main hashtag down there, which I really enjoyed. I think we'll do, uh, we should have some kind of hashtag for people playing in the recreational players like us playing in the world series next year. Um, hashtag wreck the WSOP maybe like that does kind of roll off the tongue pretty well. And we are there to wreck the WSOP. So maybe that's what we'll start using. But when I was down there wrecking the main, um, you know, we talk about etiquette a lot on the show and playing poker in the right way. And there were a few opportunities that I had to notify the player to my left or right that I could see their cards when they check their cards. And um, this is something that I think we've we've talked about on the show before. You know, my protocol is I'm going to tell them the first few times. The last time I tell them, I'm going to say, I'm not going to tell you again. But I can't stop my eye. Like, I can't, I'm not looking at your cards, but I, I, you know, I'm a human. And if I'm looking over this way and you show your cards, I'm going to see your cards. Um, so that was really well received. And I just think it's one of those things that you want to win in the right way. If someone's showing their cards around, you should at least give them a chance to better that practice. Um, but one of the things that stood out, <clears throat> we're coming back from break. And I won't, you know, there's a lot of great dealers in the WSOP, but they're also really doing everything they can to fill that seat. And some of the players, some of the dealers are uh, maybe not that experienced or, you know, could benefit from a helpful hand from some of the players. You know, there were a few spots where pots were counted wrong or side pots weren't correct or, you know, the action was slow or that sort of thing. Real first world problems. Um, but in the main event, you know, everyone really wants things to go smoothly and for there to be as few hiccups as possible. So we got back from break in uh, on day two, about halfway through the day. 
and maybe it was dinner break. It felt like I think it was coming back after a long break. And uh, the player to to my right, a guy named uh, Matt, um, they had arranged the the dealer had arranged the button incorrectly, and Matt had been given the small blind. And we're we're all ready to play. We've been gone for our whole dinner break, um, so we're we're the dealers getting ready. They're shuffling up. Everyone's got their chips in, and Matt says, "Hey, you know what? I think I should be the big blind on this hand." Um, and and a couple other people at the table were like, "Oh no, he was the button last time, so he should be the button now." No, it's all good. And Matt had a chance to really uh, just take the small blind and have the big blind skip them. But he's like, no, no, no. I I'm very sure this is supposed to be my big blind. Remember you were in this position before, and this is what the action was. And remember you just checked the big blind and the table came around to it. And uh, they were like, well, no, you're, you're right. You are supposed to be the big blind right now. And so I just want to give that guy, Matt, a shout out. Um, I told him to send me an email and I think I just got one from him actually. Uh, I haven't had a chance to really dig into that today, but just such a great gesture in the biggest spot you're going to be in, you know, it's a $10,000 tournament um, to say, actually, no, it's supposed to be my big blind here. I just thought that was great. And I just love seeing people like that enjoy poker and do well in poker. And um, yeah, I hope we get to hear from Matt. Maybe we'll give him, get him, get him on uh, YouTube one of these days or something and see what he's up to now. Uh, Cause that was just a, a wonderful experience and good for him. Um, let me see what else is on our, uh, on our list. We've got, oh yeah, some exciting things coming up. Um, August 9th. Okay. So for some of our women members and listeners, this isn't just for members. So people don't, maybe don't know this, but Kim Petvet Kilroy every month has a, uh, a group discussion that up until now has been open to everyone and it's it's based around the idea of poker empowerment specifically getting more women players comfortable trying the game and then finding out what we can do what everyone can do to make the women that do try the game feel comfortable enough to stick around because there's an argument for getting more women to try poker i think there's also an argument for making it a more welcoming place so that the people that do try uh, are inclined to stick around and have fun and grow the game. Um, so uh, starting on August 9th, um, Kim's actually, well, I won't give too many details away. Come on August 9th. So if you are a, a woman who's interested in poker, this is getting recorded on July 18th. So it'll come out later this week. You've got a few weeks to circle it. Uh, 7.30 Eastern on Tuesday, August 9th. So Kim is talking about making a couple really interesting and cool changes to her monthly session uh, about maybe adding some prizes, maybe adding a home game element to it, uh, maybe having an area where uh, just women players can play against each other and talk while they're playing and get some uh, feedback from other women uh, experts and and folks like Kim uh, who really know what they're doing when it comes to the game of poker. And so on August 9th at 7.30 Eastern, if you go to rec.poker, it's right there on the calendar. All you need to do to join is just get a free community account. All it takes is an email address and a smile. This isn't 
restricted to premium members. Uh, this is just for anybody uh, who's interested in this kind of thing. Um, and I know Kim has some plans to make some final decisions about what the September session is going to look like and going forward from there and what's going to be included and uh, how we're going to make it a better space for women. But I'm really excited about this. I know we're going to have Kim on uh, before before then to get into some more of the details. But um, as we've got a few weeks to pump it, I just want to make sure that we mention it every week on the show here. August 9th, 7.30, Tuesday night, Eastern. Um, do come and join. And it's not, it's not just for women. Um, there's a lot of great allies. Uh, there's a lot of great men with good attitudes here at Rec Poker. And I know Kim appreciates that as well. Um, but really, uh, I'd love to, I, she'd love to see more women join the group. And, um, I just think it's a, it's such a great, easy cause to get behind. And I just like the idea of having some more spaces, especially here at Rec Poker that are just for women, um, who can, who can feel comfortable and, and, uh, you know, that's what, that's what this is all about. Fun at the poker table. That's what Rec Poker always should be. So, uh, all right. I hope people do come and check that out. And if you're watching live, then it's not too late on Wednesday of this week. It'll be too late if you've heard the recording. But if uh, if you're watching live on YouTube, you can come and join uh, the Unshuffled Mixed Game demo, which is on uh, Wednesday night. We're going to be looking at next month's Mixed Game with Jake from Unshuffled uh, talking about how to play some tips and tricks uh to uh, to help guide you through those saturday night practice mixed games so that when july uh, when august comes around you can win that second wednesday of the month tournament pick up a sweet little pin and uh and get on that list that's a short list of winners for the the monthly mixed game championship so that's in very elite company there and just mentioning unshuffled as well if you're listening to this live then on tuesday that's Tuesday the 19th uh, at 6 p.m. Pacific, which is when uh, they do their thing. They are doing a, a challenge, the Unshuffled Challenge, where you can play for free, pit yourself against all the other uh, folks around the world that are doing the challenge, playing against a series. You play a series of hands against bots. Everyone plays the same hands in the same order against the same bot opponents. And then at the end, whoever made the most chips in that series, I think it's about 10 hands, uh, wins uh, some pretty sweet prizes. They've got, I think they've got over $12,000 that they're going to be giving away out of this prize pool, and it's free to enter. So I would go check that out at unshuffled.io. And yeah, Jake from Unshuffled is helping us with these mixed game demos on Wednesday as well. So that'll be a really fun opportunity for folks to get together with. Uh, the only other thing on two, every Tuesday now, every Tuesday night, uh, we at Rec Poker are giving out 50 bucks uh, through, well, actually, it's Fun Country that's giving out the 50 bucks, but uh, it's going to one of nine premium Rec Poker members playing in the Fun Country online play and hang. Uh, that's every Tuesday night at nine Eastern. And uh, it's first come, first serve. The first nine premium members to come and sign up uh, get a chance to compete. Uh, we record the sessions. Uh, it's a super fun platform and there's a chance to win 50 bucks and Hey, premium membership at rec poker only costs $15 a month. And you're telling me that 
There's four Tuesdays in a month. Each Tuesday, I could win $50. I mean, you're printing money here. Uh, if you get it just as an investment opportunity, that $15 to join Rec Poker Premium has never looked better. And if you use the code Rec Poker, it's only five bucks. So you can do the math there. Uh, that sounds like a pretty good one to join. Um, yeah, Chris. No, I was just going to jump in from the chat and kind of mention something on our end too. Um, uh, Josh, Joshua Campbell uh, was ah, referring to our um, conversation around, you know, Vegas and going to Minnesota for the, the running aces rec poker weekend. Uh, and he said, we need to get one of those set up in the Northeast. Um, and I think one of the things that, you know, I, I think that maybe we can just talk about is our, is the, the rec poker road trip model is sort of like in its infancy um, but we're really interested in kind of thinking about it and exploring other options and other parts of the country and other areas. Um, so if if uh, you have if you're like a if you're a listener and you've got a local card room that you're frequenting or you've got some area of the country you think this would be really great, uh, we could draw some people there. Um, you know, get in touch with us because I think we're really trying to think about how the road trip model can sort of kind of maybe be a little bit sort of grassroots and organic and, and help spread the word about rec poker to different poker playing communities. So that's a great point, Chris. Um, Cause we've, we've had so much fun on our rec poker road trips. We've been to Florida. Uh, we've been to Iowa. We've been to Minnesota. We've been to Las Vegas. Um, I think I'm missing one in there, but it's, it's a great opportunity for rec poker people to get together and have fun at the tables and get to know each other a little better. I think, you know, the socializing that goes on when you're not at the table is an underrated uh, high point of these experiences for me anyway. Um, sometimes we get an Airbnb where people can all stay at the same place. And sometimes we're staying in the hotel of the, uh, of the venue. Um, but yeah, rec poker road trips. So it, it's, you know, we, we have members all over the world now. And I'd like to do a road trip out to Montreal up here and uh, play at playground. Um, yeah. Right. I know that would be a lot of fun. Um, it's one of my uh, dream like bucket list spots. Cause I've just heard it's a poker paradise. Yeah. Uh, poker paradise with poutine. I mean, it's really got <laughs> everything you could ever possibly want. Um, and last time I was out there, uh, my man, Jamel Cuevas uh, made the drive up from New York <clears throat> and uh, we had a little mini road trip. Uh, it's just the two of us playing cash and having a great time down there. Um, so Montreal would be on the list. I think we've got to do something out in California. We've got enough members in California now that we could do a trip down to some, one of the great card rooms down there. Um, the, yeah, I'd love the idea of getting down to, uh, I see some comments in here. Yeah, there's some comments about the Mohegan Suns or Foxwoods in Connecticut. There's Encore in Boston. Uh, best bet in Jacksonville, Montreal would be cool. Playground would be awesome. So yeah, mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's some interest. So if you're more than just sort of like casually interested in this and would like sort of maybe like to help be somebody who helped us, maybe, you know, we would help you do the work. It wouldn't just be on you, but you know, we'd be looking for somebody local to help us, you know, just start those conversations and maybe be a, a key ambassador or advocate for this kind of things. If you, if that's something you're kind of interested in, uh, get in touch with us. Yeah. And you know how to do that. Email me, Jim at rec.poker and just say, Hey, I live in X state 
and, or province or country internationally. And I'd like to, you know, this would be a good fit for a rec poker road trip. And then um, that's really, you know, all it takes. And it helps having someone with boots on the ground there. So I don't have to just call Foxwoods up and say, hi, guys, I host a podcast. Uh, can we have some people over? Uh, like, it's just different when um, when someone's there that, you know, knows who to talk to and can make an impression and, and that sort of thing. But as Chris said, like, we've done a lot of the work already. We know the pieces we have to have in place. Uh, we know how to make it work we know how to bring what we need to have fun and we know how to get some people there so uh maybe you're just thinking i would like it if some rec poker people drove down to a casino near me uh let's make it happen new internet stranger friend email me uh jim at rec.poker and let's uh let's touch the world let's see if we can't um let's see if we can't make it happen uh so that would that would be great and listen uh, the the same goes for our international listeners. I know we've got a lot of listeners down in Australia right now. Um, and that's, I've, I've always wanted to go to Australia. Uh, I don't know if that, I don't know if we can budget the uh, longest flight available on planet earth, but I know we could get folks like uh, Merv Harvey would love to get involved with some rec poker folks down there. Uh, Troy Chapman, who's an emerging uh, poker uh, character in the Australian poker circles and a big rec poker fan. Um, Keith says here, let's raid an MSPT event. Yeah, exactly. Uh, MSPT feels like a great fit uh, for a rec poker road trip and uh, like run good events. We love uh, run good. Um, we've had some really fun time uh, times with them. <clears throat> They've got council bluffs coming up in a few weeks. I know misclick donkey is going to be there because that's Tim Fritz and it's in his backyard. Uh, so if people want to go and have a good time, I, I know You'll have some friendly faces down at uh, uh, down at Council Bluffs, Iowa, for that one. You've been nominated to get a rec poker private jet, Jim, for the, <laughs> for the Australia trip. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, you misheard. It was day two that I busted of the main event. <laughs> day two, unfortunately. If I was in, if I was in those big six digits, I mean, I could fly some. I could fly some rec poker people down to Australia. That would be a lot of fun. Um, and hey, yeah, Ben, I'm looking at you, man, uh, in the chat here. Uh, Halifax Casino, I don't know if they're doing tournaments again. They might just be doing cash games right now. But, I, you know, I didn't know how good I had it living in, uh, uh, living in Halifax when I did. If I'd known then how hard it would be to find a casino <laughs> nearby, <laughs> I would have spent more time at the Halifax Casino. But, uh, yeah, Ben, we're putting you East Coast Bitter. We're putting you on the list there. Let's see if we can get some uh, some Nova Scotian good times in. Um, yeah, so that would be great. I love the idea of doing more doing more live poker. These rec poker road trips are a great way to get to get involved with folks. Um, another great way to get involved with folks is our ever expanding home game club. Uh, I was excited to learn from John Somsky that we hit our cap, our hard cap from Poker Stars at five hundred and one members, um, but we're working our way through that eliminating some of the dead wood and uh, getting some new, exciting, active members in to enjoy that. And if folks want more information about that, they can just go to rec.poker slash home game, where you can learn about the mixed games that are coming up, when the next heads up bracket's going to be, and some results from the 10 home games we run every week, uh, in case you don't want to just listen up, because something tells me you're about to hear about some recent winners from the one and only John Sompson. Yeah, we uh, found out that we had plenty of room once we got rid of. There was this bluff streamy character oh, who really boy. didn't 
Oh, Add anything no. to the home games. Dead weight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So on Wednesday, July 13th, we had K-Poker wannabe Ron Payton oh, won his run. first mixed game championship series event. Wow. Then on uh, July 11th, John Lancer, John Bensky, got his first nightly event. And Ivor Big One won the daily TOC event also on July event. Nice. 11th. And that's his first TOC victory. Wow. Way to go. Spot Conlon, Danny, Daniel Kennedy won his first nightly event. Way to go, Dan. JBT, JB Twin Cities, Joanne Bird got her first nightly event for the year. Evil Roy CA, David Westerveld got his sixth Dave. nightly victory for the year. He is such a good poker player. He he he's a very modest guy, uh, but he's quickly coming up, climbing the ranks of uh, some of the better poker players here at Rec Poker. I think. Yes, and just to let you know, that was his twenty ninth not lifetime victory. Wow, wow! So that's pretty impressive. Yep. Then Marky the Shark, Mark Weaver, got his first nightly victory for the hmm. year. A really mad guy, mad guy, won the daily mixed event on Saturday. Duck and Run 99, Michael Savage, won the 9 a.m. international event. And then Evil Roy CA, David Westerveld, comes back and wants his 30th event for the year, <laughs> his third international or 30th event lifetime, yep. third international event for the year uh, to win the 2 p.m. nightly event. Or Amazing. international event. Amazing. And then Fergie 56, Kim Kilroy, oh boy. won the LPP Sunday event. So mm-hmm. she, of course, should contact Jim at rec.poker <laughs> for her free month at Learn Pro Poker. <laughs> oh, man. The one and only Kim Don't, Pet don't Pet give her Kilroy. that. No, give, no more know. edges. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. I she, ended up playing her heads up in that enough. one. and She knows enough. There's I didn't a certain have a point where we're just like, Nope. <laughs> yep, that's right. You have to join uh, Pro Dot Poker yeah. at that point, Kim. Learn, I think learn bad poker. <laughs> well, I almost think she should be like required to play the home game with one hand tied behind her back, yeah. right. or yeah. or maybe she has to take a shot yeah. every Several. time the blinds go up, yeah, or something. Back to the main event, just quickly. There was a guy at the table that was drinking Grey Goose vodka, like, and he took shots every time he went in, all in. <laughs> and I was like, "That, that's a bold move, sir. That's a bold move. Not, not a choice I would make, but that's it's definitely a bold move. I'll bet each all in became it's, easier and easier. <laughs> I think that's a negative EV, right? Yeah, yeah. Like seriously, what are you doing? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and uh, I think Kim was actually, I, got, I saw earlier there was some chat about uh, Josh and John and Kim all being in the home game last night. So, uh, and yeah, Ben says that was a brutal one too. It's a uh, tough, yeah. tough competition here. John, the chat started by talking about a brutal beat you put on last night. What? what tell us, tell us more. I don't remember to be quite honest. <laughs> it's just, I put it's on just one so of many. many. You just, you know, yeah, yeah. You just dismiss people was, right and left. Yeah, I was running 
so pure last night. I mean, I, I had like 80 to a hundred blinds most of the game. Um, and it, until I ran into Kim heads up, I then, you know, <laughs> I couldn't do anything. <laughs> well, I, I contributed a bunch of those blinds. <laughs> yeah, <I> did, Jack. <laughs> Jack's against aces. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, it's a great, I love the home games. I, I would like to play in more of them. I'm shifting some of my work stuff into the evenings. I have, my, I have a day job. It's really complicated. Um, so I can't play as much as I'd like to, but um, there's no soft seats left in the rec poker home game. I mean, and I love this. We, we've seeing a bunch of new names in the winner's circle. You can tell the people are getting involved. Um, we joke a lot about, you know, the Kiki's and uh, Kim and Dave uh, and Doug Drabeck winning all these tournaments, but I'm always impressed with the number of people that win, you know, unique winners that we have and people that are in the top three. Uh, there's not just the same people every time. It's great to see uh, people coming in and enjoying this, uh, enjoying this journey that they're on this poker journey is wherever you are in your poker journey. You know, we're all ascending together. Uh, which is one of the things I love about Rec Poker. It was interesting this last week. I was particularly busy. So I had gotten behind like three or four days posting the results. And people were getting antsy on Discord. They wanted oh. to hear those winners. So <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. I feel bad for being so slow on the uh, results posting there. And I will try to improve in the future. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, listen, I mean, like I said, this is an accomplishment to win one of these home games now. Um, so it doesn't surprise me. I'd, I'd want to hear my name out there too. Uh, it's fun. It's fun hearing them come out on the podcast too. I, John, one of these days you'll say my name again uh, in these home game results. I'm looking forward to that soon. I hope it's not guaranteed. It's you definitely know. <laughs> not. It's definitely not. Um, well, uh, Rob, uh, we're talking about uh, what's coming up. You're working through the book study right now, although working doesn't really feel like the right expression because after such a dense uh, travel through modern poker theory, this feels like we're kind of just like tripping through the fields and the, and the rainbows, enjoying a wonderful poker content as we go. What, what are some highlights rainbows, that you've enjoyed? Rainbows yeah. and unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, where, was... what are you up to now? There's a lot of there's a lot of good content here. Um, end game poker strategy, uh, the ICM book by Dara Carney with Barry Carter. Um, we just finished chapter five, which was uh, playing for the win versus laddering, and we're about to get into chapter six, which is how our range changes hmm. uh, when you consider I, with ICM consideration for your decisions so it, it it talks about the shape of the range that you would play in an icm situation versus a chip ev situation and cool. that'll be coming up uh this wednesday um on the 20th and maybe if we get through that one fast enough we might even get into the next chapter which is chapter um seven called deal making so we might oh. get into interesting that how how that works and it's it's there's some really interesting information in there and i don't know how many of you have been involved in final table deals 
but I've been involved in a few and I've taken a bad beat on a few of them and I've taken a good beat on a few of them. And it's interesting understanding how that works and how people's perceptions are when you get to that final table. So that's, uh, that is a very interesting chapter to discuss. Hopefully we'll get to that. If we don't, it'll be the chapter that we go into the first uh, Wednesday of August. So right on. looking forward to that. Looking forward to that discussion. Well, and I think that's an underrated edge that whether you want to think about it as gaining an edge against your opponents or eliminating an edge that they have against you, when you get to um, the final table, that's not the time that you want to be thinking about deals for the first time and what to consider. And I think, you know, people that are more studied about that can actually make some money uh, by making good deals there. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's that's a great point. Some people should be studying up on. I see we're getting a guest uh, joining us here tonight, the one and only Chris Fox Wallace. So I'm going to let him in and we can start talking about uh, what he's been getting up to. <clears throat> Not only does Chris have uh, a new book coming out, uh, Horse, we're working in the mixed game realm now, uh, but we also got a chance to cross paths down in Las Vegas as he was doing some more photography uh, for uh, Cards Chat, I believe. Um, but Chris is such a pro, you never know who he's working for. He's in every poker room. He's part of so many different organizations. Uh, welcome back to the show, Chris <laughs> Fox Wallace. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, I'm glad to be here. This uh, we'll see how this goes. I'm in a meeting room in a hotel in Stillwater, Minnesota. Oh, uh, <laughs> I have no idea how good the internet is or how good any of this will go. You know, I'm usually at home with like ultra high speed internet, basically right. in a sound studio. And here I'm sounds in a good hotel on my laptop. No, I think it's going great. It's going great so far. Yeah, we're we're good. glad to have good. you here. So you you that's a quick turnaround because I saw you in Las Vegas. It feels like just a week ago. Uh, how long have you been back? Um, uh, just, uh, just about a week, um, headed home in the next day or two. Yep. It's and been nice to be here today. Like the last two days have been pretty hot, but the rest of the last week was just fantastic. Beautiful. Oh, good. Good. Um, do you want to, or, or do you have any high, so we'll talk about the book. I'm so excited to, we were, this is the year where we're getting more involved in mixed games over here. So I can't wait to, uh, share that Excellent. with some folks. Um, but while you were down there, you've got your boots on the ground. You're walking through the uh, the World Series of Poker rooms. You're you're taking photos. What was that experience like? I know you're a grizzled veteran at this point, but <laughs> were there were there any kind of special moments or anything exciting about that this year? Um, you know, uh, my plan was to be at the World Series like six and a half days a week, uh, taking pictures of most of the bracelets. Uh, writing up a few things here and there um, and then playing cash games. And and I mm. was able to do some of that, but I got, I had COVID for almost two weeks as Oof. almost everybody at the series did. Yeah. Um, I, I don't hardly know anybody who came for the series and that didn't go home with COVID. <laughs> and, um, and then a thing came up at the end of the series. That's why I'm in Stillwater. I wouldn't usually, I, I skipped the main for the first time in like nine years. Um, uh, and I had to be here testifying for a lawsuit. So I spent half the day educating hmm. lawyers on how tournament poker works. Oh, um, cool. So, so I missed, you know, bigger chunks of the series than I expected to. Um, and I missed, um, Waz Waz and Ramsey's bracelets because I had COVID. 
Mm. And then I missed Rich Alsop's bracelet because I was in Minnesota. So we got three Minnesota bracelets this year, and our coverage guy didn't get to see or take pictures of it. <laughs> oh, no. I have some pictures of of all three of those people, but none, not, not I wasn't there for the bracelets, and I would have loved to have been there for all of those. Those are all they're all great guys, and I'm excited this, that all three of them got bracelets. So it's a big summer for Minnesota for sure. Yeah, no kidding. And, um, I was, I, I mean, I'm like you, I love the cash games down there when the, while the series is on, um, I was playing yeah. in, in the Paris room when, uh, Adam Friedman, uh, got announced for uh, his, which was another one of the mixed games thing. And it's just so cool to see these friends of the show, um, you know, really doing what they do best and, and being rewarded for it. Um, when, wh- where do you like to play cash? I'm just going to write this down for my own notes. When I go down next year, where are the good games when, <laughs> when the series is on Chris, where, where, uh, where do you go and spend your time? When the series is running? Yeah. Um, I mean, the series is always good. Uh, you know, you're not, you're paying a lot of rake. You're not getting player points. You're, you know, services miserable. You got to go get your own chips. There's all these. You know, they, they hate making money over at Caesars, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, but there's still a lot of cash games running. And for me, uh, the world series is a great place to play because I have a diamond card. And so I go to the top of the list. You're one of those guys. All right. I'm one of those guys. I, and, and, uh, you know, they should gift me a diamond card every year. Cause the only thing I use it for is to play more poker. I, yes. I would play half as much <laughs> poker there and I never use any of the benefits. Anyway. Um, so for me, it's great. But for a lot of people, those games are always full. There's, there's a 50 or a hundred people on the list. And there's just no point to bother with that. Yep. Um, the games are always pretty good at the win. The win was kind of my standard, you know, I, I played two, five at the win, like night after night, uh, you know, before the pandemic for, for some of the time and the games uh, during this, the, uh, the series they had running this year were really amazing. The, the win was just a really great year this year. Um, some of it depends on what games you want to play. And some yep. of it depends on what kind of people you want to play with. You know, if you want um, nitty old locals that you can run over and you can always trust when they bet India, you can fold then go down to the Orleans and you're going to get exactly that. And you're going to, if you know how to play against those players and you're comfortable, those are great. Um, if you want crazy people who, um, who may play chip pots absurdly large for their stack, the golden nugget is great, but it's mm. smoky and the mm. service is mediocre and uh, the players are crazy. You know, you'll deal with more drunk people. You'll deal with more honestly, mentally ill people. You will deal with uh, louder people. It's very smoky. You know, there's the downside to the nugget. You know, the win and the aria are going to be classy places that have good games. The win games, I think, are better. But um, just because a lot of the grinders like beat the aria because they think it's the fanciest poker room and they want to be, you know, they're not. They don't really play for money. They they make enough money, but they play for status. Um, if you like the smaller buy-in games, the Bellagio has the smallest of all of the, you know, each variation of game in town. So the two, five game at the Bellagio is a $500 max buy-in. Mm-hmm. It's pretty nitty, but you can run over some people. And then when the fish walks through, they just get slaughtered and you sometimes get a piece of it. I know people who play two, five at Bellagio and, and do just fine. <laughs> but uh, at the, at, at the winner Aria, like I'm going to be you know, where the average player is going to be $2,000 deep in two, five, yeah. the, the buy, you know, the buy-in is much deeper and the game plays a lot bigger. The two five at, at Wayne is about the same size as the five ten at Bellagio. Right. Yep. So it's all about 
you know, what you're looking for, where you want to play, uh, what, what kind of players you feel comfortable beating. Yeah, I like the maniacs at the win. Bring me, those, yeah. bring me the, the rich guy who doesn't care about money. That's the guy <laughs> I want. Well, I'm going to circle the win for next time then. Um, I played a lot at Paris because uh, that's where the series was this year. Um, but the juiciest game, the, the, the fun, the most fun game I got into was definitely at the Aria and you're not kidding, man. They, they don't, they're not afraid to swing those pots around. And, and that one point this Absolutely. guy was, there was, there was a dealer error and he was upset of how the side pot had gotten chopped. So he, he, I, I'm playing one three, mind you. Uh, so he had $466 that he was just putting in blind until he left. And he was just like, I'm so steamed about this group. And Good he times. was getting, oh yeah. Like I was a table I really wanted to be at. Um, but yeah, the, the Paris, the, that diamond card, man, that is worth its weight in gold. And for folks that don't know, it's for, for Caesar's properties. If, if you've got a, a diamond level rewards card, you jumped right to the top of the cash list. So uh, when, when plebes like me with our little gold card are sitting down there, you know, 40th in line waiting for a seat. Uh, the the big shooters come by and just like, boop, uh, jump in <laughs> at the top there. And it's a great the, perk. It's a great the perk. The problem is that it can, you know, if there's 100 people on the list and you get on the list and there's a diamond card walking up every five minutes, yeah, it doesn't move and you never get a seat. You don't get a seat till tomorrow because the only diamonds are getting seats because there's so many, you know, they're so in demand. And yeah. uh Given how much money they make on those games, I don't understand why Caesars is. I don't get it. Like limit uh, limit entries in the tournaments if you have to, because the money per hour that they make at the cash games of the sit and goes is much higher. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise. Why me. are you running the Colossus and and closing down cash game tables and closing down sit and goes and making it really hard for people to buy into sit and goes and making it a big hassle so that people don't play them? I mean, there's 10% as many sit and goes running as there was five years ago, eight mm-hmm. years ago. And I played those things, you know, full time for one summer. They were amazing. I would never consider doing that now. And those are the most money per table per hour that they make is, is sit and goes. They just, hmm. Caesars just hates money. They don't they hate money. And do you think is it, it this year, uh, was it mostly just a dealer shortage? Is just not having enough dealers to, to sit the games? Um, that was part of it. Um, Part some there was not a, as many floors as they needed. Yeah, and at times there were just not as many tables as they needed. They, you yeah, know, they crazy. had more tables than before, but they've they've just always been running thin on tables when they have those huge events. And then they, and some of it's a choice. They make a choice to close down cash games, close down sit and goes, and seat people faster instead of making them alternates. Mm-hmm. And I don't. If somebody buys in three hours late to the Colossus, I don't care if they wait an extra ten minutes. Like you bought in three hours late to the big stupid tournament that is going to have 20,000 people in it. What did you think was going to happen? You know, there's no reason to close down a cash game to make sure an extra nine of those 20,000 people get a seat right away. I don't yep. get it, but yep. I don't run the World Series, so. Not yet. All right, well, you're, you're preach, preaching I'm not to the sure choir I want that job. Yeah, I was just saying that earlier. I don't think I want to be in charge of any of this kind of stuff because it seems like I'm sure the money's great. And I, would, I, I would take the gig because I think the money's probably fantastic. but Probably. But it's not an easy job for sure. Like when I'm no. critical of the series, I'm always, I'm always, you know, trying to remember that it, this is a hard thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you're right about that diamond card thing. I, there was one of the days, one of my last days there, 
I got added to the list really early, like at noon or something, because I wasn't playing any tournaments that day or 1230. And I was seventh on the list. And then two hours later at 230, I was 12th on the list. And I was yeah. like, they, they weren't opening any more tables. And I was like, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to the Aria. Uh, but I would have liked to have incinerated some more faces over at Paris because once people start, you know, drinking a little and they're all angry about busting, those are, those are pretty good cash tables to be playing. At. That's when it's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, when, it, when there's uh, cash game friends who are, who are, who are full-time cash game grinders in Vegas this year told me, um, you want to play wherever there's a mystery bounty. <laughs> when people bust a mystery bounty, they're that much more angry. Yep. Uh, you know, they busted, they, they bust and someone got their bounty. They're really yeah. like, they said that the cash games were just out of this world when, when there was a mystery bounty going on. So, yep. you know, next year, maybe I'll chase those around town. Yep. That's a great idea. I mean, I've been down, I'm still pretty new to, you know, real, real big ticket events in the world series of poker as a recreational player myself. But, um, as much as I enjoy bracelet hunting and some of the lower buy-in events, I mean, it's kind of, I'm kind of doing myself a disservice by not just going down there and playing the cash games. Cause like you can print money at the cash games. Uh, and I just Absolutely. go and punt it right back off into the tournament series. So it's, it's, you know, there's a, there's an ecosystem at work there, I suppose. They also, I don't know why, but they, uh, this is becoming like I've read some articles, some economics, uh, articles about this. Uh, it's becoming more and more of a problem in America of uh, of overloading events. Um, things like you know you have the barbecue on the weekend at the park where there's a uh, you know some sort of whatever the fest is. I mean Minnesota's got a fest every weekend, and if you do this thing on the weekend and you do you know and and there's you know twenty thousand people who want to go and you only have space for eight thousand people, why did you do it on the weekend? Mm. And what are we doing? If you do this on a Tuesday, you're still going to get 8,000 people. So what, why are we doing this? And they do this at the World Series in, in a huge way. They put all these named events that have the smaller buy-ins on the weekends when people are already going to be there. And then they overload their dealers, their floor staff. They can't handle the number of people that show up for this thing. Mm-hmm. Run the Colossus Monday through Friday. and You'll fill up all your hotel rooms Monday through Friday. And then you know what? They'll still be full Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Because that's when people come to the World Series, no matter what. You know, I mean, these these are like pretty easy problems to solve. But the people in charge of the World Series, <laughs> I don't know. Every year they throw a World Series, and they're shocked a bunch of people show up. One of right? Yeah. Who could have seen this coming? <laughs> Man, again this year. This again. is ridiculous. <laughs> ah, where did all these people come from? Oh, I love it. Well, yeah, and, and like like you said earlier, you know, it's such a logistical nightmare that goes into that. And you know, this year being the first time in a new venue, you know, I take my hat off to all of them for doing their best and putting it together. Uh, but yeah, it's it's there's always room for improvement. And I like I think when I right. take over, uh, yes. John Sofsky is going to run all the logistics. Yeah, he's going to deal with all the planning. He's going to write a program. He's going to write a computer program. He's going to run the whole it. thing. Exactly. And Washam is going to be in charge of security. Everybody got, anybody got slippy. And Washam hires all the guys to handle them. Got it. And I, I just sit it. in my office and yeah. collect the check. Delegate. That's what that's yeah. what bosses do. They just they don't do any yeah. actual work. You just delegate. That's the magical. Yeah. You word. just pick who does the work. Right. Yeah. And you get you get most of the money. That's I, I can like do it. that. I, I like it. That. Okay. Well, so 
we're gonna have to make some room on your schedule coming up. You might have written your last poker book for a while because I know that t- that has its own process. That is a pretty taxing experience. Um, a lot of work. Yeah, tell us a little bit about this one. What what uh, what it what it was like writing this particular book, and what called you to do it? Uh, it wasn't what it was who. Um, mm. A woman from Australia named Tatiana. Uh, her last name's Fox, actually. Uh, I was in the 25k horse last year in the World Series, and uh, as I and I got this message on Twitter about writing a book with them as Rockies. And this woman has, has Tatiana said she was writing a book with them as Rockies, and she wanted my help publishing. I've done a lot of publishing stuff over the last couple of years, and um, published a bunch of non-poker related books for people. And and, and so she, they just didn't like the. Um, the offers they had from publishers and they wanted to do it themselves and they wanted to talk to me about it. So um, I went on break and, and, you know, at the Rio, there used to be that back area where if you were playing like a big 10 K or a, a big turn that the bigger buy-in tournament, it'd be back in this one area and you could walk right out to the dealer break area through this back door that you weren't supposed to know about, but everybody did it. <laughs> and then back there, they would have like the basketball hoop or the ax throwing or whatever that people would gamble on. I saw tons of crazy things happen back there. Um, you know, Paul Volpe and and Huxied and guys like that gambling at five thousand dollars a shot, shooting free throws and stuff. And uh, Huck was a college basketball player, so you'd think he would crush. But then he's got a backpack on and he's got his his heels on the back of his shoes, and he's like, so he's just not he doesn't have a big advantage, you know. Um, but so I walked back there and ended up walking around the kind of the Rio back parking lot, talking to Tatiana about what's going to happen with this book. And it turned out, and this happens a lot, um, someone knows someone who they think should write a book or should, whose story should be told. And so they, they say, I'm a writer and I'm going to do that. I'll, I'll help you write this book and I'll put it together. This is, I have like six projects right now that have asked me to do this that I don't have time for. Um, and uh, then the person who says they're going to write the book is not able to write a book. It's not, it's not easy thing to do. And Tatiana didn't have a lot of poker experience. And so for her to be writing a book uh, on horse was going to be tough, even with the interviews she had from them as Rockies. So she finally decided, well, what do you think about, you know, what do, what do we do with this book? And I said, I have a horse book mostly written and I can, inter- I'll take your interviews and I'll, I'll talk to the Rockies on the phone and we'll add in their stuff and we'll, and I'll, I'll rewrite it and we'll, you know, I can do that. So then it turned into sort of my horse book with them as Rockies. Mm. And by the time we were we had this figured out as to how this was going to work. It was like two and a half months before the world series. So we got this decided and I open up the horse book from 2008 and uh, still on my Google drive. And I've always kind of been thinking maybe I'll do something with this. And I open it up and I start reading it and this is not going to do. Um, it's just dated. Um, mm. The writing isn't as good as I can write now. Not even close. Um, it's just all got to be redone. I have to write a new book. Hmm. I like the structure. I'm going to keep the structure. And I have some important points that I need to cover that are in that book. But I basically just need to throw this away and write a new book. And I have two and a half months to write a book on horse. <laughs> and I have a bunch of audio interviews with them as Rockies. So I start to incorporate those things and create a structure. And I have her ask them some more questions within this structure. Like every there's a there's a common mistakes chapter for each game. And I have her ask, what are the common mistakes in this? And then send me that audio that I can transcribe and use in the book. And then um, 
then I get the book mostly done, and then I call them as I, I call them each, which is like which is like herding cats. They're they're poker pros. <laughs> poker pros are never easy to just get to do something that's not playing poker. So, um, luckily, Tom Hammers was part of this project where he, I knew that he knew them, the Mizrakis, and uh, so I called him and said, "Do I do I want to work with the Mizrakis? Is this a this is a thing? I want to just make sure that because I know you know these guys." And he said, "Oh yeah, that'll be great. That'll be good." And then uh, I said, okay, can you let them know that they should work with me? And he said, I'll call them right now. And then like five minutes later, Tatiana said, the boys just called and said they want to do this project. Ah, sure. <laughs> that's so, great. Tom greased the wheels there. Um, so then, so I just, uh, so I texted Tom, hey, can you tell them as Rockies to call me? And like an hour later, they called me. And uh, and uh, then I was able to talk to them and, and ask like the final questions and things that I was missing and make sure that. You know, I don't want to put their name on the book unless I'm sure they've had a lot of input into it, you know? Yeah. So I got all that, um, had to get it, you know, written, edited, formatted, cover made, all that stuff in two and a half months, basically by myself. It was a lot. I didn't do anything else for two and a half months, nothing. No, I'm sure. Um, and then I was going to do a book signing at the, um, at Resorts World at the Mixed Game Festival. And then I got COVID. Ugh. So that didn't happen. And it took forever for author copies to come from Amazon. Everything that could go wrong just went wrong and slowed us down. So that the, I didn't really have author copies in my hand until like mid-June. Mm. Um, but the good news is uh, Rob just won the WPT 5K championship at the Venetian. And I had now have a picture of him holding the book with this. I mean, this trophy is enormous. This trophy he won is like four feet tall, made of silver. It's enormous. It's absurd. <laughs> Like, I don't know how he's getting this thing home. It's not going on a flight to Florida. <laughs> right. But but I've got a picture of him like holding the book and, and it was that's with the trophy. That's that was good. And he, I mean, I think he made nine hundred thousand. It was good. Pretty good um, day for both of you, I guess. I mean, better for him. For sure, better for him. <laughs> well, that's so, exciting, yeah, man. So I so I, I published it myself and uh, don't have to worry about chopping up all that money with a publisher. Right. And I told, I used the quote intentionally when I was telling you about it. Um, Tatiana said they weren't happy with the offers they got from poker publishers. This is a thing. I didn't take this, ship this book to poker publishers and try to get it sold. I didn't do any of that. This is just what Tatiana and the Mizrakis told me. And I know it's true. I, I, knew, I did ask and they, they, you know, they have emails from these poker publishers. They didn't go to two plus two. Uh, some people don't know that two plus two still publishes books. They're kind of old school. Um, some people that apparently they're still the biggest poker publisher. I don't know, but, um, but whatever, for whatever reason, they didn't go to two plus two. Well, I wrote that, uh, just that sentence that, uh, they didn't like the offers they got from other, from poker publishers. And so they brought it to me to self-publish in the introduction to the book, which is in the readme, the, 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 you know, you can look, look inside on Amazon. Well, Mason Malmuth, who runs two plus two saw this on the look inside in the book on Amazon and decided that I was uh, attacking his company. Mm. Mason has problems, whatever. Um, but he posted about it on two plus two and then I owed him an apology. And uh, it's, there's five pages in the thread now and like 95% of the people posting in this thread are just mocking Mason. Tell him it's ridiculous. And he's, he's, he's wrong. And he should just, give it up. So when I got into this, I logged right onto two plus two and told him, look, this doesn't have anything to do with you. I don't know. 
you're not going to get an apology out of me. This is unrelated to you. You're being ridiculous. And then I challenged him to a heads-up match. There you go. We could broadcast it on Poker Go, and I will remove the offending thing from the book. I can do that. It's it's print on demand. I can change it for all future copies in just a minute. Um, but I will remove that if he beats me. And if he doesn't beat me, he has to issue a public, public apology, and he can choose the game and the stakes. And he has no interest in that. <laughs> so I thought it would be fun. Um, but I also don't want to like... I don't really want to pile on Mason because I know he's he's socially very awkward and he's he just uh, he just won't get over this and he won't it won't get any better to pile on. But it was it's fun it was fun to play with him a little bit anyway. Yeah, I heard there was a bit of a two plus two thread uproar uh, over it, and it did seem to be kind of removed from any actual grievance as far as I could tell. But it was ridiculous. It's an yeah. absolutely silly thing. Yeah. Well. Um, and is, are there uh, are e copies of this available as well, Chris, uh, or paperback only? How do folks? Uh, Absolutely, uh, yeah. we should probably just give one away. Oh, I love that idea. Well, yeah, here we do. Uh, we do a contest every week on the show here, where I get to roll one of my nerdy dice that don't always have six sides. Ooh. So why don't I say right now, uh, thanks, Chris. If if you're in the YouTube audience and you'd like to win a copy of Chris. Fox Wallace's new book, Horse. Uh, type the word contest into the chat, and we will do a little draw uh, in uh, a few minutes once we have, once all the hundreds of people here have a chance to type the word contest into the chat box there. I will say. What do you do if you have the eight sided dice and 12 people want it? Then I pull out my 12 sided die instead. I don't know if I can, you can see a few of these here. So, I can go up to 20 on you one. Don't have you, have a, you don't have 100. No, you I have hundred-sided dice. Uh, well, I have two <laughs> ten-sided dice, and the way that you do it is one is the ten, and the other one's the sure. one. So you can sure. roll. You can get a number uh, not, up to up to one hundred. He's one. He's rolled a one like six weeks in a row. So I'm not convinced he just doesn't roll a one-sided dice every week. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. the first the person one, to put it in chat. The one-sided dice is tough to get. It is. <laughs> you really got to wrap your head around that one. The Mobius dice. I you don't can't even, know even pick it up going. off the table. No, it's <laughs> Actually, it's a marble. <laughs> yeah, nice. There it is. Of course it is. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, I've got a bunch of nerdy dice here because uh, I'm a well-rounded person. And I used to be interested in all sorts of games that aren't poker or backgammon. And uh, sometimes you need all sorts of nerdy dice. So yeah, I've got uh, 12-sided, 8-sided, 20-sided, 4-sided, 6-sided. Uh, here, if you see, here's the the one that you use if you need to do 100. That's got the different 10, 20, 50, uh-huh. 60, 80, all the way through. and then. Uh, Here's the four-sided. It's a pyramid. That one's that one's kind of fun too. We're not going to need that one tonight, though. I don't think you could make see. a mess at a craps table. <laughs> yeah, you could really have some fun at a craps. It would be table. fun to sneak those in and take like a four and a and then the ten and the twenty, and then just pick up the dice and then boom, and, and off go the off go the most ridiculous dice. I think Ooh. you're onto something. I you like that idea. Eight hundred and sixty-five. Is that craps? What is it? <laughs> Oh, I love that. Yeah, there are some there are some fun ones in here. You can surprise some people. I also think this would be a good way to uh at the poker table to do some of your um some of your mixed strategies. Uh if you want you could really get very particular 
down to like, well, 5% of the time I do this and 5% of the time I do this other thing. Um, yeah, so. I know people who play online who have a random number generator running constantly in the corner of their screen for that very reason. Oh, so yep, yep. I've been, I've used my watch for years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you, uh, you know, have to, if you know that you should be calling 10% of the time, just think, okay, if my watch is in the first six seconds and then I'll look and right now it'll be a fold. Um, you just have to be careful that people don't realize you're doing that because then they'll wait until it's about to be in the first six seconds. If they want you to call, <laughs> you know, you yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. I, I was, I tried using that, but I found that I was always like, <laughs> I would use, if it's in like the first half of the minute, then I was going to raise. And if it was in the second half of the minute, I was going to call. I was always like looking really fast so I could try and get there in the first half of the minute. <laughs> Which, uh, looking and then really going, no, wait, no, look again. Oh, wait, no, I was, uh, I was oh, thinking now. about something else. Now, how about now? Yeah, how about now? <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's look at the... it and wait till it's in the first half. There it is. Yeah, okay, there. there now I'm looking officially, right? <laughs> That's yeah, randomizing. All right, so I think we've got uh, our guesses in here. I'm going to start with Eric Anderson, who got the first one in, and we'll count down from there. Let us see who's going to win. Okay, this one. One, two, three, four. Uh, ben was in there once already. Okay, Troy Chapman, you are the winner, and you are allowed to say contest, given that you're a student. And actually, Troy Wait, came Troy in. Troy have a copy. If he oh. doesn't, I'm glad that he's getting one. There you go. And he. Um, Troy came in a little late in the show, but actually missed a shout out earlier. Troy, we were just talking about you a little earlier on the show as well. So this is the Troy Hour featuring Chris Fox Wallace here on the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm excited for that. Um, Awesome. So, uh, yeah, email me, Jim, at rec.poker, and uh, we'll make sure that that happens. Uh, Just like every week, we like to... uh, uh, If it's it's Troy, just just message me on Facebook and I'll I'll give me your details and I'll... Yeah, I probably I have Troy's email. I can just make sure he gets a Kindle copy. That's easy. There you go. Yeah, he's a big fan of yours. And um, there, I like to think that I just delegated that right out of my to do. There you go. There you go. I'm done. Not, I don't have to do a damn thing. About Super that perfectly now. done. Yep. Can't like, do it let, better. Than... Let you guys work is a four letter word. The great part of delegation is that it's not about getting work done. You, if the work doesn't get done now, it's not your fault. That's nice. Once it's delegated, it's gone. Yeah. Right. Yep. If Troy comes back, you can just yell at me. It's not right. like you still have to go do the work. And that's fun. That's not even work. Like yelling at people. Absolutely. That's like that. That's you know, among the highlights of my day. Yeah. I've been at this being an entrepreneur thing, like, you know, for 25 years is silly. I should have been advantage. Apparently it's. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Something tells been yelling me at having, people for 25 years. I think you're having even more fun, Chris. I think you're having even more fun. Yeah, that's I'm sure that's true. I did not <laughs> like jobs. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> well, it, are there any other? Uh, we're going to let Chris go soon. He's been a superstar uh, sharing his time with us tonight. If anyone else has any more uh, comments or questions in the chat, now's a great time to put it in there. I see a couple people are saying that they've already picked up a copy on Kindle. So you're spreading the spreading the love already, Chris, uh, getting people more involved in in horse and mixed games which is i think the future of fun poker as much as great as no limit holding is for tournaments i mean when it comes to having a good time if you've been playing for a while holding gets really boring yeah the better you get at it the more boring it gets honestly yep i've heard that 
We should all just be playing Super Stud 8 and Raz Doogie in rotations. <laughs> Maybe one day. We're going to have to we're going to have to spend more time working in John Somsky's uh mixed game uh practice series so we can learn learn and improve. Excellent. Um, if you guys end up doing a book study with the book, um I'll yeah. come back for that too. Yeah, that would be back great. At the end of that. That was that'd be fun. Yeah, well, I'm sure I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Uh so last question before you go of the games in the uh, in Horace, which is your favorite and why? Stud eight is my favorite. Um, yeah. It's I think there's more going on. It's more interesting. You get to play a few more hands, but everybody thinks they get to play a lot more hands. Um, I find it really profitable, and it's a very uh, it's a game where you have to be a little intuitive. Um, with Raz makes sense to me immediately. Uh, it's just a game that seems very easy to play to me. And I just as soon as I started playing Raz, I was like, yeah, this is easy because the hands are actually linear. Um, there's You can't be facing a draw and you don't have spots like the 10-jack suited ace-king offsuit pair of fours where like you have rock, paper, scissors. You don't right. have any of that in Raz. In Raz, the hands are linear. Just this hand is this hand and then this hand and this hand. It's just a ladder. And so it's, it's a very simple game. Whereas with stud eight, there's just none of that. The hands are just so far from linear, scattered all over the place. And, and it's very interesting. There's tons of unique spots playing, you know, playing bigger stud eight, um, like, like 40, 80 or bigger stud eight. You're, you're raising people off of the second best low hand because you have like the fifth best low hand and you know they have the second best low hand and you're doing it on seventh street because they're afraid they're going to get caught in the whip because, you know, this guy's got the high. There's all this complicated stuff that happens that just, you don't see in, in games that aren't split pot. Mm-hmm. And in 08, you get to split pots, but you're still playing a boring flop game, and you're really just showing down the nuts. Whereas in stud eight, you just don't have that. So, you know, I like stud eight the most. And and then my favorite of all of all poker games is is all of the stud split pot super variants. Those are just fantastic. Where you get dealt <laughs> four cards down, you discard two, and then you get and then you get your one up card. Or Tahoe style, where you get dealt five cards and you flip one up and discard two, so you choose your up card, and then from there you play like Stud Eight, or you play Raz Doogie, where like the low hand and the best Doogie split the pot. Those those games are a ton of fun, and even when even when you play them with players that are fairly good, even playing like like forty eight or fifty one hundred, you will have a couple players at the table who just basically find a reason to play every hand, because if you get <laughs> five cards. And you're playing a high-low game, you're going to get right. something that's playable for high or for low, you know, unless you're good enough to know that, like, three, four, six rainbow isn't good enough in this game, right? But almost no one knows that. So they're just, they've just, they're always finding something to play. So it's always been very profitable for me to play those games, too. So I'm my next book is just on Super Res Duty. It's, a, it's just a 400 pages of strategy <laughs> for Super Res Duty. Bring it on. I Super love Res Duty for highly, highly advanced players. <laughs> <laughs> and, I and mean, you I'm can. Gonna, no, please, please. And I'm going to launch a publishing company called Four Plus Four. And I'm going to talk <laughs> and in the introduction. I'm going to talk about how there was a there was a poker publisher we didn't think was doing a very good job, and so we decided to launch our own poker publisher to do a better job. <laughs> oh, you're going to crack me up here, man. Oh God, that's fantastic. Well, you can see, yeah, you can see just hearing Chris talk about it, you can see why. Uh, you know, it's going to take solvers a long time to solve some of these mixed games. Like it's going to be a, a a safe place to play, even when uh, when they get no limit hold'em uh, all figured out. So that's that's uh, uh, hurry up, yeah. uh, hurry up. 
<laughs> okay. There's, there's a there's a there's a solvers for most of these mixed games already. Yeah. Well, what almost no one has access to them. Right. I've been trying to get access to a couple of different ones for a while now. I've got I got to play around one for a little bit that deals with 08, but um, there, you know, I'm it's an, it's a point of investigation for me at the moment to find out who has all these solvers and get access to them and like what's how are they built and where are they you know who who else has seen them because the people I know that have them are the people that are crushing all the mixed game tournaments right, right. Now. so well, yeah uh, I mean they're they're clearly they work a lot the right. solvers are not giving people nearly as much advantage in no limit holdem as they are in mixed games from what I'm seeing the mix the mixed game solvers are a big deal but those solvers have to be written for each game basically um they, you know they, there's not one where you can just input the game rules in it yet and i don't know that there's been one written for things like super res doogie or anything like right. that but i know a short deck uh 08 plo um plo is a really tough one basically like the solver takes forever to solve a single hand but um omaha eight stud stud eight raz um, stud and raz uh limit stud and limit raz solutions like a no limit hold'em solution with four three betting sizes will take like 25 minutes on a really really fast uh, server right and a, a, stu- a stud high solution in a fixed limit game will take like less than a minute huh. so, well i know in in the evolution of this stuff the people that develop it they are doing so so that they can use it in the high stakes games that they want to crush and it takes a while for that technology to kind of get spread out amongst players that are less and less serious and then it becomes commercially available and people start you know it becomes a product itself uh yeah. so that that does, there's kind of like a timeline for they're that. very closely guarding the mixed game solvers yeah. at this point I mean, yeah they, I bet. like i've had people that i know for a fact have it tell me i don't know about that never heard of it. right right they're not right. they're not trying to, they're not trying to let anybody get hold no, well, I, I know don't somebody. Them. I mean, I know a couple of people who are offended that like they're really good friends with some people that have a solver, and the guy still denies it to them. Right. Like, yeah, they're they're playing it really close to the best with those things because there's so much money involved. Yeah. Uh, John, did you have something on that? Uh, or on well, I was just gonna mention that you know usually if you're playing mixed games, that's the table in the room that's having the most fun. Yeah. Because absolutely. You know, Speaking of John Somsky, uh, he could probably build us one. That's true. Have a rec <laughs> John, poker. you've got a lot of free time. Let's do a rec poker mixed game solver. You yeah. know, I, I think I could handle the programming aspect of it. I'm not sure that I know the math. I don't know that I know what to program. <laughs> Someone can tell me that. I could probably program. We might, have a, we might have a very profitable collaboration here. Could be collab. <laughs> could be time. Hey, I, now I'm not even joking. Let's make this happen. All right. Let's see what happens before we have you on the show next, Chris. Um, All right. The last time you were on the show, uh, Keith Brandt was joining us in the YouTube chat, and he we just ran out of time for him to ask a question about uh, coaching. But we've got him here on the panel tonight. So, Keith, uh, for those of you who don't know at home, uh, Chris also uh, uh, works as a coach. He's he's involved in a lot of different aspects of the poker industry. Um, so, Keith, you had a follow up question on that, I think. Yeah. Um- what kind of coaching do you offer for like a serious amateur who's uh, can't play full time because they have a job, but uh, would be within a, a serious amateur's budget? You know, you know, golfers who are part timers will spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars a year for coaching. I wonder if you offer something like that uh, for poker. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars a year sounds right. 
Yeah. Uh, that works for me. I, first of all, I think you're inside one of my pictures. Um, <laughs> definitely, oh. if I didn't take that picture, I took a bunch like it. Your background. Oh, yeah, so, that sounds big, right. World Series of Poker uh, wide angle shot. Hey, I, I took, took a bunch picture. of those. <laughs> you took the picture? I, I guess yeah. anybody could take that picture. Uh, <laughs> all year long, you could walk through the room and take that picture. Um, most of my students are kind of serious amateurs. I, I do have a number of students who've gone pro, and then I have a number of what you would call like old school TV pros, like very well known pros who who need to update their game. Um, I have some people like that as well, but uh, more than half my students are just amateurs who want to get better and have and make more money or, uh, you know, run deeper in their local tournaments or beat up their Tuesday night home game, whatever it is. And uh, I will, I'm happy to tailor my coaching to whatever you, whatever time you have and money you have. Um, you know, you can, if you're in a big hurry and uh, money's no object, we can do four hours a week. But almost no one wants that. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's a pretty good amount of money. Uh, you know, it just doesn't. Whereas I have some people come to me and say, look, I don't have any money. Um, I, you know, my poker bankroll is $1,200. And, you know, and then and I tell them, okay, let's do a lesson once a month. And I'll give you a ton of homework. And, you know, half your lesson will be me checking homework from last month. And, and the other half will be me giving you the homework for next month. And there'll be a few a little time for you to ask me a few questions about previous homework. So we, you know, if we do one lesson a month, we're spending, you know, three dollars and thirty-three cents a day. That's cheaper than a cup of coffee. You can save a fox for three thirty-three a day and um and get a lot out of it. You know, if if you're a person who wants to work on your own a lot and not spend a lot of money, that's fine by me. You know, we'll figure something out. A lot of people do a lesson, do an hour a week. Uh, or two hours every two weeks. That's just a, that's a common thing when people first start and they're, and they're serious and they want to improve a lot. Um, I have a lot of people do that, but I don't care if it's once a month or, or if it's once whenever you feel like taking a lesson. And uh, I have some groups that, you know, split up the money too. You know, uh, last year before the world series, I had a group of women, uh, many of whom were from Minnesota who would send me hand histories. And I would just, you know, one week it's, Melissa's in one week, it's Jones and the next week. And, and we just, I would go through it and everybody gets to see it. Everybody gets to discuss it. I get to, you know, they get to watch these hands play out and me talk about what's going on. And uh, group lessons are 175 an hour. And if there's six of you, well, that's pretty cheap. Yep. That's you a know? great way so to then do you it. Can get a lesson. They can, then you can do a lesson every week. It's still on my crusty iron books. How do we get a hold of you for something? blindstraddle at gmail.com or Twitter or, uh, you know, whatever, but I'll put it in the chat here too. Blindstraddle at gmail.com. And, and uh, you can Fox always Poker find Fox at Fox Poker Fox on Twitter and poker.photos, not poker.photos.com or anything like that. Just poker.photos. Um, there's like four boxes along the bottom. One of them is image search. You can go see if there's pictures of you. I think there are, um, and see if they're tagged with whatever. Um, I might've just tagged them with rec poker, but you can, you can find, uh, images there. And my rule is, um, it's not the law. It's not even a photographer thing. It's just what I think. If it's a picture of you, you can have it, um, use it for whatever you want. I don't care what you do with it. It's a picture of you. I'm already selling a picture of you if someone wants to buy it. 
So, <laughs> so we're kind of, so like, let's split this, let's chop this thing, right? Like you can use it for whatever you want. If it's a picture of you. Um, and my, but if you go to that site um, on the top nav, there are five things instead of four. And one of them is poker strategy resources. And uh, there's my contact info is on the site. And then the poker strategy resources is linked to my books. Uh, it's got my hand analysis spreadsheet. It's got a bunch of other stuff as well, links to various places. And that's, um, so that's a place to find like lots of information as well. Awesome. And Chris, that was www.poker.photos. Yep. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm going to check that out and I encourage our listeners to as well. That's a great attitude you've got. You've always been very generous uh, with your time and with your photography work. And I know that's something that can make a big impact on recreational poker players. You know, you're down there playing in the World Series and you get a chance to have that immortalized by a professional. I mean, come on, that's amazing. You know, I don't have good pictures of my bracelet. Right. Uh, My bracelet wins. Right. Um, right. You know, there's somewhere there's a poker news photographer from 2014 that has some probably that I could buy or something. I don't know. But none of the photos I have are any good. And mm. uh, I don't I want everybody to have those. So uh, if somebody wins a bracelet and I take those photos, then I make sure they know. Like, yeah, uh, David Jackson who beat Phil Helmuth heads up into 3K. He was he was like, oh, you've got pictures. And I, you know, downloaded a bunch of the pictures. Uh, Scott Ball, a friend of Scott Ball's just. Uh, asked me about the pictures and downloaded a bunch of them to make him like some stuff for his birthday. Um, uh, Alex Foxen and Kristen Bicknell, when Alex Foxen won the hundred K this year, um, I got some amazing pictures of them on the, on the thing and they were super excited. And they're going to get some, uh, I'm having them uh, some acrylics made for them from the, the, like a print place here in, in Vegas. So like people are really excited to get them and it's not like it costs me anything. I'm already being paid to take the photos. It doesn't cost me anything to make sure that Alex has that picture if he wants it, you know? That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, just one of the many ways that you contribute to the poker world here. So it's great to be able to uh, shake your hand electronically (laughs) here. And um, I'm already looking forward to uh, getting to corner you and put a beer in your hand uh, next summer, hopefully, um, when we're all COVID-free and enjoying another World Series, if not before then. Man, I, having everybody be COVID free is like feels like a pipe dream at this point. Yeah, I hope that happens. Yeah, uh, but I'm all I'm always up for a beer. You can if you're going to buy me a beer, you can come to Minnesota or come to Vegas during the winter too. Like come and come whenever you want. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Of, you know, best time to get out of Minnesota. Come in February. I'm going to tell Mrs. Bluffsterini they got an open invitation. I got to head. Sorry, honey, I got to head back down and buy Chris <laughs> a beer. It was very clear. There was no. I, I yeah, I told him I was coming. Uh, as soon as it got to be 10 below. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it would be rude of me not to go, you know, and I'm, I'm, if anything, I'm polite. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for having I think, me. Yeah, I think, I think we'll wrap it up here. Um, this has been a phenomenal chat as always, Chris. Thank you so much. Um, so I guess I'm going to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino, and Mark Rashawn at Website Amp. All these great people in the YouTube chat. Thank you so much. Um, Chris Fox Wallace, John, Keith, Rob, Chris, and you, the listeners. Have a good night, everybody.